0: Hey, PYHT listeners, Cameron here. This week we are doing something we have never before done. We are holding an episode of the podcast. I did an hour of material at Put Your Hands Together this week because I'm showcasing it for some folks. So cross your fingers. I really want something specific to happen with it. But in the meantime, we are giving you the opportunity to listen to Query, the episode, the first episode of the podcast, uh, where I spoke to Rhea Butcher. You might know Rhea from Put Your Hands Together. (laughs) Query is a podcast about LGBTQ identity. It's a six-minute-long conversation with folks that I know or folks that I don't know, people in the LGBT community. I have had unbelievable chats. Um, Everyone from, like, Lena Waithe, who just won an Emmy, to Margaret Cho, who's the first person I ever saw do stand-up, to incredible musicians like Mary Lambert, Tegan and Sarah, Jenny Owen Youngs. I also have had activists on, like Madden Lopez or Eva Sweeney. I would challenge you, if you are not queer, to give this a listen. Um, I, I promise it's interesting and fun and funny. This week's episode uh, featured Clea Duvall, who's a longtime hero of mine and now a friend. So please enjoy this chat with Rhea Butcher. And if you haven't yet had a chance to check out Queery, especially if you are a straight person, please give it a listen. Hello, listeners, and welcome to the first ever episode of Query, yes, a brand new podcast that also happens to be my Cameron Esposito's dream project. I have been wanting to do this show for so long. What is Query? It's a 60-minute conversation, one-on-one, me and somebody in the LGBT community. We talk about identity. We talk about experience. We talk about the words that we use that feel good to us, the words that don't feel good to us. We talk about our families our relationships basically it's just everything i want to hear (laughs) i'm cameron esposito and please enjoy query this is a show about individual experience and personal identity there may be times when folks use identifying words or phrases that don't feel right to you that's part of what we're exploring here Please listen with an open heart. And as always, I welcome your polite, engaged feedback, and I encourage you to continue the conversation in your life and with your community. Welcome to Query. Today on the show, my wife, Rhea Butcher. Now, Ria, of course, is much more than my wife, um, an independent person, a stand-up comic, uh, an actor, a writer, and... Honestly, one of the most inspiring people I have ever met. I liked her so much, I married her. So please enjoy the show, and I will say, since this is our first episode, you could do us the biggest favor in the world by subscribing on iTunes, giving us a big five-star review, and then telling everybody why you like the show. We are trying so hard to bring honesty and in group conversation to the world so please help us out tell your friends about it tweet about it and enjoy the show let's go. So, welcome to Query with Cameron Esposito, and I have a wonderful guest today on the show. She is a stand-up comic, a writer, an actor, who I know pretty well. Uh, Please welcome to the show, Ria Butcher. Hello. (laughs) Ria, thank you for agreeing to do this. You know, this is actually, I'm not sure when these will be released, but this is the first one that we're recording. You're sort of the test. I'm the lead-off. You are the lead off. I do hit lead off. That's the so it's perfect. That I'm the first one. The, it's the first up. Is the best one though. Like no,
1: I mean leadoff means you get on base. Okay, so that's like a good skill to have. So, as a so people can baseball count player. You. Yes, that's I mean, who you are. Cleanup is like a very showy position in the in the lineup. Classic which is peacocking. Very valuable. That means you tend to hit home runs or like big hits, multiple base hits. Yeah, but if you're a leadoff hitter, that means you get on base no matter what, and that's just like a baseline skill to have as a as a batter. So.
0: To just break it down uh-huh. and say, we're it back already to you. talking about baseball. <laughs> uh, cleanup mm-hmm. is the more—it's the showy person mm-hmm. who's either going to hit a home run or kind of strike out, kind of yeah. a person. And then you, and then leadoff mm-hmm. is dependable, sort of heart and soul of the team. Yep, sort of underappreciated. Oh yeah, uh, like an unsung hero. Uh-huh. Precisely. Uh huh. Precisely. Like not Rudy. Because yeah. there nobody's ever chanting for the lead off guy kind no, of. No, not usually. So that actually is you. It is me. That's you perfectly. That <laughs> I know you pretty well because we're married to each other. <laughs> yeah. And because we have worked together for a bunch of years doing mm-hmm. comedy. Um we have a television show called Take My Wife yes, Together. We do. Uh we have another podcast called Put Your Hands Together. Yes, we, we do. Stand up together. That's also on Feral Audio. And we um had other podcasts that we, we used to do We had other podcasts that we used to do together about sci-fi and action movies. Yeah. And we traveled together doing stand-up. And I would say that you um, are the most dependable person that I know. Thank you. So let's talk about why that is. All right. Um, Rhea, where did you grow up? Uh, I grew up in Akron, Ohio, uh,
1: which is in Summit County. It's sort of like the... On the low end of Summit County, which is about um, 25 to 30 minutes away from Cleveland. It's almost like due south from Cleveland.
0: Is that in the same county as no, Cleveland? No, different counties.
1: There's a county in between, and <laughs> Cleveland is in <laughs> Cuyahoga County.
0: I'm just glad that we're getting
1: geography Straight on our about. Counties. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah. It depends on which way you take into Cleveland. That's how many counties you go through, but it's Summit County
0: and Cuyahoga County, two different. You're from Akron, Ohio, and I've actually been to Akron. Mm-hmm. Um, You've been a couple times. How many yes. times have you been? Three or four? Three or four. Okay, that's the answer. Glad <laughs> we cleared that up. It was a question, but it really was also <laughs> the answer. Um, four, I think. I've been four times. Mm-hmm. I've been four times with you. I've never had been before, even though it's pretty close to Chicago. But Chicago is one of those places. That's where I grew up. And when you're from Chicago, there's you don't. It's such a big city in the Midwest that you only kind of go to places that your friends or family are from.
1: Yeah. I mean, that makes perfect sense to me because Chicago is the biggest Midwestern city. So why would you go to another Midwestern city if you lived in Chicago other than to gloat?
0: (laughs) (laughs) So what is it like growing up in Akron? How do you mean? Well, what's Akron like? Um, Well, it
1: has a lot of different stuff. I mean, it's, it's an industrial town, or I should say it was an industrial town. And, and what's the industry? The industry was um, rubber, actually. Um, it is was the home of Goodyear, Firestone, and Goodrich. Um, we're all headquartered there. Which are and, tire companies. Which are tire companies, yes. And one of them makes a blimp. The Goodyear company does make the blimp. Wow. Yeah, it does make the blimp. And a lot of the blimps are still there. Side note, just like a fun thing for me, the Goodyear blimp followed me on Twitter. And it was one of the greatest days of my life. Because <laughs> I'm one step closer to being in that damn thing. And that will be great when that happens, because it will. Is that still a real thing? The blimp? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. they go over, they're over every major sporting event. And you can go in it? Yeah. Yeah. LeBron James's wife, Savannah, got to fly in one, too. She, like, christened a new one. She got to fly in it, and they both made like they both were like so excited about it. He was like so proud of her, and that's why I love him so much because like he is he's from Akron, like he's so very much from Akron. because well, I the want to same things that make me happy, make
0: him. Happy. I really want to talk about LeBron James. Of course. Let's First, I want down to down just clarify, yes, that in order for you to get in the good, good your blimp, I just have to win two NBA championships. Yeah, that's all you got to do. No problem. <laughs> Done. She got in there on her own. Okay. By the way. Ha, what's her
1: skill? I just don't know anything about her. Well, I mean, she's a, a big part of the community. She runs a lot of their foundation work. She does a lot of work in, in the Akron community, specifically with
0: uh, children. But let's go education. back to your childhood because um, you talk about LeBron James very a much. Lot, yeah. Um, and I think part of it is what it was like for you growing up in Akron at the time you grew up there Mm -hmm. because you were talking about how it was the rubber industry was there. Yeah. Um, And then the blimps kind of
1: flew away. Yeah. I mean, to go back to that, like Akron was bigger than Cleveland in the forties because of that industry. It, um, worked so perfectly specifically in that geographical location because it was very much a crossroads of industry at the time and so you have like tr- a lot of trucking companies like yellow and roadway and stuff like that really sort of shored up around that and then you because you have the steel industry going through there like everything it's just it was like a perfect uh setup you know and there <clears throat> a lot of the people in akron that were like quote You know, like middle class or whatever, had very good lives through these jobs. Like, you got a factory job, you kept it for the rest of your life, and then, like, your kids came up through that same thing. I mean, it employed most of the people in the town, and then all of the other jobs, like, Other jobs in other places that are like the high paying jobs, like doctors and lawyers and stuff, all of that kind of like fed off of the rubber industry and was like serving the people who worked the rubber industry. And so when that went away, it really was like the core of the town. And the time that I grew up um, in the 80s, it was still that was when it ended. I mean, I just read a book the other day and found out that like the last tire was produced at Goodyear. The last tire came off of the the production belt. On my birthday in 1982, like the same day. Wait, I, on your actual
0: on birthday? On my actual birthday. Why didn't you yeah, tell me this? I did tell you. No, this. you said it, it was in August 1982, but I don't think you said it was on your exact birthday. That uh, is amazing. Yeah. So you are the future hope for Akron <laughs> because you were the next higher kind of I think somebody already took that mantle oh, okay. up well, got a couple it. years ago. <laughs>
1: But, uh, yeah, I mean, and then that all just kind of went away because there wasn't any other, all the other industry was built off of that industry. So, if those people uh, weren't making the income that they previously were and didn't have the stability that they had, they left to find, they left Akron to find other jobs because they didn't have jobs. So, that infrastructure of, like, human beings left that town and it still is trying to figure itself out Um, and, like, what industry it is. like. Basically, it's been taken over by, like, two hospital systems and uh, a university. Like, those are the two biggest employers now. So, I say all that because, like, it's very specific to a lot of areas in in America of, like, having a specified industry, and then that industry goes away, and then all the people don't know what to do.
0: (laughs) Right. I don't want to put words in your mouth or... That's okay. uh, ...shit on your town. So, I mean this in a nice Uh way. It's like you moved into a place that had, like just died like it had just yes it had just yeah. bloomed and it was yeah. done
1: and that's not to say that the people in that place aren't making things and creating things and making jobs and living interesting lives because i really do think um it's a place that because of all this stuff that 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 could be taken very negatively it has created a lot of very interesting people and continues to that stay there and also
0: leave i mean well that's true of a lot of places where there is a bit of a vacuum mm -hmm. you know art can really emerge it's part of the reason that the queer community is a home to so many artists it's because Mm -hmm. like if there are if there's a lack of concrete opportunities, then you make your own thing. Um, so I know there's a lot of musicians from Akron, and mm-hmm. um, and you're from Akron, and you obviously yes. are a really talented musician. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. So debut record will be on As never. a kid, you were growing up in Akron in this mm-hmm. post-Boomtown mm-hmm. Uh, experience, and who did you live with?
1: Um, I lived with my mom. And my, her parents, my grandparents. That's the house that I grew up in. Same and house she grew up your in. Your grandparents' house
0: in the same house that your mom grew yes. up in. Mm-hmm. Three generations. Yep. And what does your family do? What's your family's background? How did they make the living?
1: Uh, well, my grandfather uh, owned his own business. Well, he was in the Army. Um, and then he owned his own business. He was like kind of working his way to owning his own business. He owned a linoleum and tile store. Uh for many years and that's what he retired. What was it, called? it was like DNS floors, I believe was what it was called. Um and he wanted to have the tagline be, we'll lay anything. But my grandmother said you can't what? do that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Number one, also he had a great like sense of humor. <laughs> an amazing motorcycle just drove past, yeah, yeah, yeah. like kind of within that same It was like a perfect sound it effect for nice. what I was it saying. It wasn't bad, I would say Primo to the universe for lining that up for us. Um, <laughs> you want to, yeah. We'll lay anything. We'll lay anything. And he was actually featured
1: in uh, a Life magazine. They took a couple pictures. I have it somewhere of him and my grandmother, like, you know, looking at linoleum samples or whatever.
0: Oh, man. But, yeah, and my grandfather... Did, he, did you guys have his flooring in your house growing up? Slash, uh, is it
1: still in there? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. But he was one of those guys, I don't know if you know people that are like this, like, even... <laughs> People that have the labor skill to do stuff like that don't always, and I would say more typically, do that to their own home because they're like, man, it's not worth it. <laughs> That's funny because <laughs> they I feel like, like know the value of it and they don't want to spend the time because they're like, mm, I could just get paid for this. All those that'll last for thirty years
0: are really teaching me the opposite thing. I, but I know. I think it's an
1: old mindset because yeah. he only went to school until he was in sixth grade, and he, I mean he was born in nineteen twelve. He had a sixth grade education, so. I think the mindset is slightly different of the generations now who do like manual labor or stuff like that. Yeah, because now it's for fun. And what you're saying is yeah, yeah. was working You you wear like bootcut jeans and you look cool while you do it. And that's, it's a whole brand. Well, I don't think you were, I don't think you look cool while you wear
0: bootcut jeans. (laughs) I think that's, I mean, that's, (laughs) I mean, I'm being facetious.
1: Um, And and my grandmother went to um, beauty school in Detroit. And
0: then came back and like did that for a hot minute until she. I did know that. I had a grandmother that was also a beautician, mm-hmm. and anyway, we've never talked about that. And yeah. also from Ohio, so mm-hmm. there you go. Probably Do we we have sisters? same grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> um, and your family siblings? I have no siblings now. Yeah, I knew that. I know you know that. But uh, anyone else that you're. Super close to it. That was your age, or was it a lot of? You mean within my family, or what? I have yeah. a cousin that's. Seven I don't know years what it's like me. to be an only child because I have yeah. two siblings, and my family is so about having siblings. Like totally, my parents like have siblings. Thing. Everybody's really into it. Like mm-hmm. it's not like there are families where you have siblings and you don't talk to them. That is not my family. So yeah. I don't know what it's like when you're an only child. Are you the only kid that's around often? In your, in, yeah, in your, in your background.
1: Yeah, I mean there was a lot of I. Uh, there's a lot of only children in my family and I don't think it's only children necessarily in the way you think of it of like, I only want one child. I think it was kind of like, we're just having one. (laughs) Well, that also my situation was specific because my parents got divorced like right after I was born. So there was no time that I was, I I mean, I might've had half siblings. That would have been the only thing, but I never would have had siblings, siblings. Um, But you don't have half siblings. I do not have half, half siblings. No but my all my cousins are on my dad's side are all only children and then a considerable a considerable amount of my cousins on my mom's side that are my generation are also only children cuz it kind of went like 5 two, 1 in the generation so it was like first generation that generation was like 5 people and then that generation all had two kids <laughs> and then
0: those two kids had like one kid and your grandparents parents Mm immigrated here yes yeah i think that's actually kind of typical with those sorts of families because my the first generation in my family was Mm -hmm. also a bunch of people and then it got smaller and smaller
1: i mean i think a lot of that is like um you know
0: cost things <laughs> right. things well also, also trying like, to survive and yeah, also you birth rates had to have
1: more children because they might not make it so yeah. like you you had to have like six eight ten
0: children because five of them might continue so on. When you, you the, know, the, I, the moment you came out your parents knew they were like oh she's right. gonna make it that's, so that's all we need yeah, yeah. she's gonna, she's gonna like be in a baseball hat she's gonna play baseball she, yeah she's a baseball kid she's gonna be fine she's yeah. be totally great she'll be fine she put, put a microphone her she was born in a Sunday league that doesn't really matter that's just for fun so you were an only child growing up in your grandparents' house. What were you into? Well, I I mean, I was into a lot of stuff. Something
1: else that's interesting about growing up there, just to circle back on the, the onlyness, is that because I grew up in my grandparents' house, I grew up in that neighborhood, and that neighborhood was primarily people of their generation. And so... There were no other kids in my neighborhood for like six or seven years. So
0: you were like <laughs> the only, only kid. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I was like the only kid. Only kid around. Yeah. I have great hope of the yeah. neighborhood. Like my best, my eventual best friend moved there when I was six and she was seven. There weren't like no kids around.
0: Occasional, occasional kids. We were not like hanging out f- friends. So did you spend a lot of your time by yourself then? or yes. were you, Or you, were you just with older people? Those two things. That's what I did. <laughs> I was either did it ever scare you to talk myself? to older people? I feel like, here's why I ask. No, I, I mean, was such a shy kid sure. that um, I did really well with my siblings, but like, put me in a situation where I don't know everybody, mm-hmm. I would feel really weird. And just because I know you, I know that you, we have different, I'm an introvert and you're an extrovert, so I'm just wondering if any of that mm-hmm. has anything to do with this growing up.
1: I mean, I was also very shy as a kid, but I was one of those shy kids that then I could get comfortable pretty quickly. The thing was, I mean, yeah, there were older people that scared me. But that's just, I think, something that happens when you're a little kid because you're meeting new people. But I had, like, friendships with people that were in their 70s when I was six. (laughs) I mean, I would, like, go to this woman E.B.'s house that was next to me. Like, her initials were E.B. And she lived next door and her husband had passed years before that. And I would just go hang out with her straight up. I would just go hang. I would go from hanging out with my own grandmother to
0: next door to hang out with a woman in her 60s or 70s god no wonder you find hanging out with me so unsatisfying because i'm always on the move and mm-hmm. i would like to talk no, i mean this woman I, just had
1: like a tv tray in front of her right. and she had her little shoes in
0: her she yeah i can't no, remember no i it. totally get it like i actually am understanding it for the first time just like, tell me stories you want me to put out a tv tray yeah just hang out with you just hang out with me watch tv yeah Talk about stuff. Talk about stuff from the past. Yep. Well, I got to live more in order to <laughs> accrue those stories, but I will work on it for you. They're I right. don't want you to think I won't work on it.
1: Yeah. So you were asking me, like, what I was into. Um, I was really yeah. into, like, I loved Sesame Street a lot. <laughs> I know that's, like, silly, but I <laughs> I don't know. It's I just silly. I, like, loved those little um, interstitials. Like, they're almost like
0: little short films of, like, how things work and stuff. Did you just see for Pride um, that the Muppets and yeah. Sesame Street put out like mm-hmm. a rainbow was very cute. situation? It was really cute, especially because there's no... I mean, it's that show is great for adults. Like yeah. I watched it when I was a nanny, too, and I revisited it from childhood and was like, oh, this is really good writing, and everybody's very talented. Uh, but it's meant for kids. Oh, yeah. And I think that the tweet that was with a picture of all these rainbow cobbler Muppets that came out for Pride was like for all families but I think the other part of that is the messaging to queer kids themselves because it's not just about like LGBT parents who are who have a kid mm-hmm. but it's also the kid Yeah, the kid that wants to see some monsters that are a bunch of different colors totally so then you first you have to establish what the rainbow flag is Mm -hmm. get your kid into sesame street yeah tell them what twitter is right teach them to read and show them this then they'll understand who they are they will feel affirmed
1: (laughs) so what else were you into well i liked watching baseball
0: immediately you Um, watched baseball with your grandmother
1: with my whole my whole family watched it
0: oh i don't think i realize that your mom too oh yeah we all just sat and watched games Oh, that's and great.
1: I got really into it because I think a reason that I was immediately enamored with it was because, um, and this has evolved over the years, so they don't show this all the time, but the way that TBS projected like their graphic was very simple. It would just be like Atlanta versus whoever, and then it would just show the box score, which is runs, hits, errors, which is R-H-E, and it's only one letter away from my name. So I think I was just <laughs> like... I mean I was an only child so people talked to me so about you felt me like so baseball much?
0: was about you Yes. which is amazing because yeah. you were a little girl also being given the message that you yeah, couldn't I mean, play just, baseball. Yeah, I mean I just yeah, well no one ever told me that I
1: couldn't play baseball. When I was at, I Well, let's it, talk about that sure, because, because you talk cause about that all the talking time. Talking about being like 4 years old, like so very young and when, setting up pillows in the living room and stuff and running When the bases.
0: did you get the messaging that that wasn't for you? Um probably
1: around like six or seven when like t-ball was happening and I honestly don't know that 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 the message was that I couldn't play because I was a girl I think it was because of my neighborhood that like um I mean I don't know how much I want to get into this specifically but like I don't know that certain people wanted me to get super involved in certain things in my neighborhood just because
0: whatever So I don't think. What was your neighborhood like, just in broad strokes?
1: I like I love my neighborhood, and I have no whatever. But I think you know, my mom lived there, my parents lived there, and they had an experience that was difficult for them. And I think my mom wanted something different for me, and I think that's part of why she kept me out of because once you get in that, you're like meeting all the people in the thing, and I think she wanted to you know push me out and put me someplace else um because it's like a hard scrabble neighborhood and that's putting it very lightly it's like it's a difficult place it's got a lot of community and a lot of people that really care i've been seeing them um on the internet like trying to come together and change the what people think of that place but people i met throughout my life that are from Akron they ask me where i'm from and still to this day, if I tell them where I'm, fr- I'm from, like they will have a guttural reaction to it because <laughs> it's a tough it's, neighborhood. Yeah, it's like one of the. There's a handful of bad neighborhoods, and mine is at the top. Do you if want, to, sh- do you want to shout
0: out where you're from? Oh, I'm from Kenmore. I am from Kenmore, baby. Oh, all those Akronites are. Yeah, it's a real
1: gut but punch. shout out to everybody that's in Kenmore, because it's Absolutely. tough out there, man. It's tough. It's a tough
0: neighborhood. Lots of broken glass. Lots of graffiti. So, you, gotcha. I mean, you don't live there. You did no. get out, or whatever mm-hmm. the right word is. Um, how did that happen?
1: Uh, well, my mom had me go to uh, an all-girls Catholic school. And what's wild about that is I actually got... Um, I was in a more diverse class <laughs> class uh, uh, breakdown because I went to that school. Because while it was still predominantly white, so I'm not... I had, Don't think i'm saying like oh my god i got to go to this like multicultural experience or whatever but versus where i would have gone in my neighborhood which is almost 100 percent white kids at the time in the 80s um this school had uh because it was catholic but had no wasn't parochial it didn't have a church attached to it um you did not have to be catholic to go there and i was not catholic and i just went there um to have an all-girls education so, I went to school with girls who were Muslim and uh, Hindu and all different religions.
0: So you're in this tough neighborhood and and non-religious. and <laughs> it's a tough time economically for Akron, and you're going to a private school. How, who paid for that? Um, I mean, my mom did. I don't know all
1: all the checks. I don't know where all the checks came from, but they did have like uh, scholarship things and stuff like that that I think. I maybe got I'm not sure of all of it but yeah well thanks to your mom (laughs) yeah yeah she worked at Joanne Fabrics when I was growing up and I remember having an art project when I was in kindergarten where our art teacher who I met you met her um, a couple years ago I saw her again, and she recognized me. Really, it was wild. Because, I mean, she hasn't seen me since that I was, was 12. wild. <laughs> like, seeing somebody, like, see you as a six-year-old and then see you where you are. a it, full it adult was, with It was like, pretty great, pretty actually. Pretty different
0: haircut. Yeah, very different <laughs> pretty haircut. Pretty different clothes.
1: Very different. I'm I was sure not wearing a, a you have jumper. You same face. Yeah, I do have the same face. Uh, but we were supposed to make, like, a giant cutout of ourselves as adults, like, in our jobs, And I made a big cut out of myself working at Joanne Fabrics. And I can't imagine now as an adult being a teacher, not going home and like just crying my eyes out for that child. (laughs) Cause it's like so sweet and also like, oh sweetie, you know, it's so many things at once. It's like so adorable. And you know, well, I mean, when I was in sixth grade and we had like a science fair project, then I changed what, what I thought my career would be to electrician. That was how high I was shooting in elementary school. It was either that I was going to be the first woman to play in the NBA because the WNBA didn't exist yet, or I was going to be an electrician, or I was going to work at Joanne Fabrics.
0: <laughs> Who around you was an electrician? Nobody. You just thought you just knew. I the just knew words?
1: by osmosis that electrician was a good job to have. Mm. Out of all those jobs, like you, it was you can die. Very easily. I think that's so a huge. A lot. <laughs> I think that's a
0: huge compliment to your mom, though, that you oh, would see, sure. you know, who she was and what she was doing with her life to try and give you when a I better thought life. It was cool. Yeah, and also, Jan Fabrics is a, a fucking awesome place to go when you're a child.
1: <laughs> yeah, man.
0: I like to say <laughs> a lot was, of googly eyes. Yeah, I was raised among the remnants.
1: Well, that was before they picked up all the craft stuff. They were really primarily what like a fabric it? store.
0: Oh, that sounds terribly it was boring. Not. Oh watch it what do you See, like fabric is like yeah it's beautiful wow to me that i would it look at really that and just i was all think, fabric oh that's hard work i don't want to do
1: sure but it's also pattern i don't know so. how to make
0: that into pants i'd say
1: yeah i mean i, I wasn't looking at it thinking like oh look at all the stuff
0: i could make i thought how did they make this well, that's a more sophisticated thing to think than what I thought. I was just wondering about yeah. pants.
1: And I got to spend I mean I so was like, So, you were thinking about like looming? Yeah, I mean I was just trying to figure out how did you make this thing and where did manufacturing?
0: It come from. Yeah. You're a cool, you're a cool person. <laughs> I always have been. Sure. And I know I know that you went to All Girls Catholic mm-hmm. School and um Well, let's talk about your identity. Let's get into how you identify, Um, which is sort of something that we were getting into talking about baseball and Mm -hmm. when you felt like that wasn't something that was for you. Mm -hmm. Um, But when you were a kid, how did you see yourself? Um, How would you have described yourself? And you can use any words and it could be about gender or it could be about the things that you were into.
1: I don't know. I mean, this is going to sound so weird, but I've always... (laughs) When I was a kid, I just really thought of myself by my name.
0: That doesn't sound weird at all. I was the
1: only person that I... I mean, like, Rhea Perlman was on Cheers. So that was the only other
0: person I had ever seen with the same name. You singularly identified. Like, you identified as a singular thing. Yeah. But also, you weren't around a lot of kids your age. Yeah. And then when you were i
1: didn't have anybody to point to and be like i'm not like that or i'm like that or i don't do this but i do do that like i didn't have anything to compare myself to so i just kind of existed on my own planet wow i know that sounds like incredibly narcissistic but it's really just kind of like i'm not getting that at all I'm That's just, like not a, how I... just alone sort of i didn't be, because, like I said, I didn't. Ha- I mean, I went to uh, preschool when I was like four, and that was fine. But it was a big. amount. I, I I was. Um, I started reading at like a really young age, so I, developmentally, I was I moved pretty fast. I think so. Like between three and four, before I started going to school, I spent all that time thinking those things. You know, thinking, being kind of alone and being around these older people, and so I think I developed my sense of my of self pretty quickly and it was before I really
0: interacted with other kids on a regular basis. If I that makes sense. I, sure. Yeah. I I'm mean not, it does because you're describing it so well. Yeah. And I, I just wanna say that it doesn't sound narcissistic. It does sound a little bit um you know, I don't know, heartbreaking. Like, I mean, it's adorable and (laughs) cute and sad. Like, I imagine, it reminds me of the movie Moon. I don't know. It's just making me me think of you alone out there. Yeah, sure. But, I mean, I did get
1: to, it's not, I wasn't, see, the good thing was I I did have those adults because if I
0: didn't have that, then, yeah, that would have been pretty sad. But I did have. So you thought of yourself as a singular entity. And I just want to ask now, um, in this moment, how do you identify today? And um, like, what are your pronouns?
1: Oh, I mean, I'm kind of, you're catching me at a state of flux, you know? And, um, so well, I have the capacitor to hear what you're saying.
0: <laughs> Good work. She likes great. Um, Scott. Back to the future. Back to the future a lot. I certainly do. Um,
1: I currently, I'll put it this way, tend to use like she, her and stuff like that doesn't bother me i'm open to and also stoked by hearing they doesn't bother me um i'm also working on my side to not be angry when someone calls me sir or misgenders me unless they're clearly doing it to to be a jerk you know by like using it kind of like a slur obviously that that time i'm gonna be like hey man that's not cool (laughs) but if somebody like thinks i'm a guy and is just being a kind human being now I'm just talking about myself and saying like oh excuse me sir and then they just walk away I don't get angry about it because I don't think either
0: I I don't think I'm anything ever (laughs) if that makes sense were you always in the same place with that where it didn't feel oh I used to get really angry all the time
1: because I think I would spiral
0: into... When did this start happening to you? When the, did
1: what start happening? The, happen? like, suring. Um, Well, suring is a more adulthood thing, but if you're talking about just misgendering in general, then it's happened since I was, like, six years old. Um, and it was always... What did it
0: used to look like?
1: Uh, well, people thought I was a boy, and so a lot of times they'll say that, and then they'll notice that maybe I'm not, and then they'll... I think have a reaction of fear, or embarrassment, and then make me feel bad by like telling oh, me right. like your haircut it makes you look like a boy. Why do you do that? Why do you you know? Because they're embarrassed that they got an answer wrong. I think is like a big part of it, which is why yeah. I'm trying to not be so upset by it. On because, the test like, of life, it's it is something like we're everything is a binary in the world of human beings because we're simple creatures that are very highly evolved. You know, like. It's either. I
0: know, we made machines out, out or they still have
1: binary. (laughs) You exit or enter. Like, it's just, yeah, exactly. And, like, I you have to exist in both worlds where you don't believe in a binary because somebody made it up and you also exist in a world that has one. So I'm trying to find a place for my own inner peace to exist comfortably in that with the knowledge in my heart and mind that the binary is oppressive, but to live as though it doesn't
0: exist would be oppressive to myself. Sure. So. Well, when I was a kid, I would get misgendered as well. Mm-hmm. And some I just remember this feeling of anxiety and I think it was like... Uh, being worried that I'd be found out but I don't know what I thought was going to happen at that point right and that's did you what know I think is what what you thought they were going
1: to find out Right, no. Like, well, I yeah, think there were, that it was... as though you were hiding something, right. but you don't know what that was, but you definitely didn't want them to find out you were hiding something. Well,
0: I remember it, it would happened to me one time, the last time I remember it happening, I was wearing a bathing suit, and I was wearing a little girl's bathing suit, and mm-hmm. I didn't always wear little girl's bathing suits. I wore like... like you mean like a one-piece? Yeah, yeah. Like, whatever you think of in your brain. Yeah, a one-piece, uh, you know, bathing suit, and Speedo, or whatever, I didn't always wear that type of bathing suit. I wore like a lot of only bikini bottoms, um, and then just like
1: topless. This is just such a wild world to me because um, where I'm, there was no. I had no pool. I I I didn't learn to swim until I was seven years old.
0: Well, I didn't wear that to the pool Mm -hmm. because actually, that probably would have been a lot more. Um, not okay. I think I would have been like,
1: Oh, sure. If teased, you wore that to the foot. No, I understand. But I would wear. I also it. didn't go on vacation until I was, um, yeah, my far in my 20s. So would
0: take us to, we would get in a, the station wagon, like drive to Florida. And at the beach, I would wear that because I, like, knew less people and it's kind of sure. beach. So you're yeah, a little yeah. bit like a wildling. I just, wildling.
1: Went, in general, I was never wearing those types of clothes because you I. You were never wearing swim clothes at all. I mean, not really. Not until, um, I was like nine or ten. You okay, didn't have a literally school? occasionally, yeah, I did have one. Okay, with a zipper in the front. <laughs> well, I feel like you buried the <laughs> lead what I got from kids around with so a that.
0: zipper in the front. Yeah, how far down the zipper go? Not very far.
1: Okay. It did make it easier to get that damn thing off. I hate those things. <laughs> bathing suits. a one-piece, one-piece bathing, bathing suit, good lord. When have you been wearing a one-piece bathing suit? When I had the the okay, previous the one it. before the zipper. So the
0: only <laughs> I was like, Jesus Christ, what is this torture hey, god, device? Oh my god, this is Um but yeah, I would be really scared that somebody would figure out So I got mis- I got like somebody called me, and what will the young man have and I was yeah. wearing like a girl's bathing suit, right. and that was so humiliating. Now, can I ask you a question? Was this person older? Were they like no. elderly? They were not okay no. I was um at like a again we just we wish went to the beach in Florida a lot that was like our family vacation, and there was somebody working at a like a restaurant we were getting food to go, and I was wearing a one piece bathing suit, and I was like. How did this just happen? Because <laughs> sure, there, there are clothes that are gendered and clothes that are not gendered. Yeah, when I would right. say a one piece, but see, that's to me bathing suit. So it's like what the the thing that I'm communicating, even as a kid, right? That this other person senses who's like twenty. Yeah,
1: but that's why none of this is like real,
0: because that could happen to you while you're wearing a
1: pink, quote unquote girls bathing suit that like could not be misunderstood for something else
0: yes like then they're still that's like I mean. they're both things. about this person
1: yeah <laughs> requires me like if you if you can do that if another human being can be like what will the young man have and you are wearing a mini mouse one piece pink girls section quotes section bathing suit and still say,
0: what will the young man have? None of this is real. You know? I, mean, I, I couldn't agree more. But there is, it is interesting because there are things that are real amidst all that. Like, yes, if the binary isn't real, still gender is real and breaking gender norms is real. Because, like, yeah, are I'm not, so norm- I don't mean to say, like, nothing I'm only, I'm only matters. I'm saying just this because, because no, not I real. think we've talked about this story before. That when I used to work, um, when I was in social work school and I worked, I was in grad school for social work and I worked at a home for uh, kids who couldn't be placed in the foster care system so they were like kids who'd had very tough lives and there was a little girl who was six who came and sat on my lap one day and like leaned her body back against my body like she was just sitting on my lap leaned back so I have pretty I have a pretty large chest Mm -hmm. and she was leaning against my boobs and Not in a weird way. I just mean she could feel them. And she turned to me and she goes, are you a girl or a boy? And I said, what do you think? And she said, I think you're a girl. And I was like, okay. Mm -hmm. Well, then I am. So that was also a very interesting moment Mm -hmm. because something that she sensed. Was like not jiving with the right physical the, the, feeling yeah. that she had. But in also that exact
1: the one. the flashcard set that she was using to oh, understand that's it. A really great way of saying it because your thing you think about kids learning that. I mean, I remember, there's like a scene in Look Who's Talking Too where she's like teaching the <laughs> Bruce Willis.
0: <laughs> Is there a flashcard set? No, that she's you're... using
1: like People Magazine, oh wow. or something like that, and then um. I don't remember the the full thing, but even that, like you look at that, they're seeing a, a woman's breasts in a swimsuit or something like that. That doesn't mean they're touching them. That just means they're seeing them. It doesn't always compute, sure. you know. So, like if if you're setting up that. Uh, that gender is a, a woman in a dress. That's this. If that, if a human being is not wearing that dress, and then that human being kind of has short hair, and then that human being kind of walks around, and I don't know, is taking up a little more space than your mom does, or whatever, then you're gonna be like, wait, I don't know what this is, because you've been told a very specific thing. And you've only seen it in two-dimensional space. You haven't actually interacted. And I think that's why kids ask that all the time. Like I used to have a real phobia around children because I would go hang out with them. Number one, I didn't spend any time with kids because I didn't there were never kids around me in my neighborhood, nobody was having babies. So I didn't spend time with kids, and I was always worried like I wouldn't know what to do. I'd drop them or something like that. But then on <laughs> top of that, i would I would end up hanging out with them and they would just stare at me. And not wow. know what's going on, and it made me feel so self-conscious because that was happening all the time in my like life. What age? I'm at all ages. Like still till now. This is an experience this you have be, with children. No, it doesn't happen. To, I mean, they look at me like that, but now I get it. I have more empathy for it, and I understand it. I, I'm in a different position in my life where I don't feel
0: you're more confident. So I'm more it confident. Jar I also feel
1: good. I've had people be kind to me and o- open up and, and hear my experiences. I've had enough things happen to where I can separate myself from a, a child's experience and be like, of course, they're looking at me like this. They've been shown these images like i just said like it's you know now it
0: doesn't bother me um it's the parents that are always the problem Uh, i want to talk about something that you just said that i thought was very interesting that you said in passing you were talking about this person takes up a little bit more space than my mom does Mm -hmm. can you talk about what you mean by that and what your experience is that would lead you to say that i think i just think it's an interesting way of talking about different genders or or whatever you're talking about.
1: I think, um, our friend, uh, our friend was used a phrase that really got me thinking and sort of... You know when you've been thinking about a, a bunch of different subjects and then somebody says one other thing and it, it pulls them all together? It, like, mixes the whole thing. It, like, adds the salt to the recipe or whatever and then it, it tastes like the food. Yeah, salt's great. Yeah. Our friend said, um, you know, people who have been conditioned male and people who have been conditioned female. And was using those two phrases to describe people.
0: Um, as opposed to male as people. As opposed to describing the
1: person... And then the behaviors coming from the person, it it's actually describing the behavior set as an external thing, which is true. Um, And then when I started thinking about it that way, like I think that's something that I've been struggling against myself is like trying to understand the whole thing is that I, if if you want to talk in terms of binary and like how we exist in this culture, like I relate more to masculine things and things that are quote unquote boys things and stuff like that. I, did always have girls things that i liked i still like some girls things because i'm a human things? being and i like a lot of things but if there's a spectrum i'm i'm like way more into like the masculine space and stuff like that but i was still conditioned female and i have terrible posture because of it i i don't um take up as much space as I maybe would have if I was conditioned male in my life, you know, I, I maybe would stand up for myself more, those kinds of things. Um, that's what I mean when I'm talking about like a kid, you know, seeing the the dynamic in their own house possibly and then the flashcards. So
0: your posture, you bring up your posture. Yep. How do you think that relates to what you're talking about with your conditioning?
1: Oh, I mean, I think it, um, I think when you hit puberty... I I think when I hit puberty, I mean, I definitely did not want to have breasts, like, for sure. I did not want that at all. Because I was like, this doesn't feel... It just didn't feel like me, you know? Like, when you're a kid, you don't have that. And you kind of... You're just like, whatever. You're whoever you are. And then... You're a singular entity. Yeah, I'm a singular entity. And, like, I can't take my shirt off, but my friends that are boys, they can take their shirts off, and that's what I look like. So that's what I am right you know like that's just what I was thinking in my head and then as soon as you get breast you're like this is not what I I didn't sign up for this (laughs) I always think about the scene in back to the future part two when um, he gets knocked out and then he's up on the i can't remember the floor this is really sad i'm a super fan i can't remember the 77th floor or whatever and leah thompson wakes him up and she has like huge boobs because she's gotten plastic surgery and then later when biff comes home she's like you're the one that wanted me get to get these things and if you want them back you can have them and i was like yeah like i used to totally relate to that wow i totally so felt like an add-on to yeah your to your something i did not sign up for like this is not what i wanted so foisted on you, yeah.
0: Like by to, by who? Like, I don't know who's the. I mean, I never brain, blamed anybody. There's no one to blame. Even if there's nobody to blame, you didn't. There was nobody that you did. Like blame. Howard
1: Hughes says, no one ever is to blame.
0: So you there's. So what I did think you do? I, do I just with felt that? shame
1: about it because you, you turned I didn't out into like shame. a thing that I had, and you're supposed to like that. You're also supposed to not show them off and hide them. You know, like, it's just a very complicated Well, that's a thing. really
0: intense gauntlet to run. Yeah, yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't want them. I also should be ashamed of them, but for different reasons. Well, talk about your <laughs> posture as it specifically relates to Well, I think I this. just, like, did that. A little bit of it is inherited because uh, I, my mom has similar postures. I've noticed just in photographs, I go like, oh, holy shit, that's my posture. And then some of it is... If you put your shoulders forward and you lean forward, then your breasts go backwards, and you can't see them.
0: So you mean you're like making the 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 I'm ruining my body. You're making the item that is like the most forward be your shoulders, so your shirt just kind of hangs down. Yep. Yeah, and I didn't like
1: realize I was doing it. When did you realize? I don't know. A couple years ago. (laughs) <laughs> when I was in college. How, how did you realize? Uh, I, I was in college. I mean, I didn't realize that this was all the reason. It took me years to figure that out. But I didn't know my posture was so bad um, until I was in college because uh, it my... I went to art school in Akron, at the University of Akron, and it was an old uh, Buick dealership, and so they it still had some remnants of that architecture, and there was like a walkway on a ramp in the middle of the building, and you walked past the art gallery that was like a bunch of windows, and so you would get, I would catch myself in the reflection walking Oh cuz you can't see your posture if right. you look in if you're the mirror, looking in a mirror. You look kind of flat. And I I remember looking over and not only do I have terrible posture, I like lean forward at the waist and
0: walk like I mean I I don't know that so I ever So you saw seen. yourself in a primitive movie? Uh-huh. Yeah, projected on a wall. <laughs> um It sounds like that was hard. Was that hard? Yeah, if, it was I felt hard. like I mean, but I you know, everyth- like little- everything is hard when you're 20. And 21
1: and 22 and 23.
0: (laughs) Well, then did you have shame about the fact that you had shame? I don't know. Probably. Yeah. I mean, it's like, like, what would you want for yourself around this?
1: Oh, I don't know. To get that fossil out of there, probably all the shame that's stacked on top of it and just figure out what that is. Yeah. What's at the root of that chipping down and then taking the brush out and a little air squeezer and duster, find it, figure out
0: what it is. And do you think like, do you think it's an emotional solve?
1: Um, I mean, I don't know. I think it's, you know, I'm, I'm physically trying to adjust my posture when I catch it, like literally pushing my shoulders back and trying to build that up. Cause it's like the muscles are, don't work properly to hold my shoulders up. So I'm trying to do that. And then just trying to, you know, I mean, I don't know. I, I read a lot of books. I watch a lot of movies. I try to spend some time with myself, talking to myself, those kinds of things, writing that stuff,
0: meeting people. <laughs> you know yeah yeah so we talked about pronouns and we talked about uh-huh. some body stuff but how else do you identify what would you say like what would you say you're I mean a gender wise what sure. would you say that you are now
1: I mean I've said so many things on Twitter that I'm different things like I don't know that I'm I don't know which one I am and you know I've met a person who was very kind about it, um, because I, I've always known there's power, power in identifying, especially if you're in a, a group that is in, in a, a population minority, um, of being like out and proud about whatever that is, you know, um, I think that's, that's always valuable and, um, I met this person, Vivek, who was like, you know, I was very, I didn't know if I, it, what pronouns I wanted to use. And I felt this and felt that. And then she had somebody tell them that like, you have to do what's right for you. And so what's right for me is I'm still figuring it out. That's where I'm at with that. But I, I mean, I, I definitely feel like I'm a genderqueer person. I still sometimes though, identify very strongly with being a woman because I was conditioned female and raised as a woman. You know, so like I, I very much strongly identify with that. Someone else said to me recently on Twitter, like I, I'm uh, non-binary, but I like to say that I'm I politically identify as a woman because like <laughs> that person was raised a, a conditioned female, conditioned as a woman, sure. and they don't. That's not who they in their core identify as. However, they've experienced that life, and so then that is the thing they want to fight for, and, and that's kind of where I'm at, which is like you know i've met a lot of trans men who are very like um tearing down what the idea of masculinity is you know like very kind gentle open people and that to them is their idea of masculinity so all of that is sort of you know cooking in my brain and my heart of like what what that really is you know and i identify as a lesbian (laughs)
0: Yeah. And by the way, when I was asking about this, I'm not saying like, give me your three words. I love this whole conversation. Yeah, No, I wanted to have the conversation instead of give you
1: the three words because I've also been wanting to talk about the fact that like, because to to me, um, I don't know that you ever end up anywhere, but if I was to end up somewhere with a a new identity and whenever that is. Everything that I've been either categorized or identified as, um, from, you know, from myself assigned or identified as, um, those identities and those categories have still been my experience. Yeah. And so I would never want to say like, that's not just, just because this is who I am now. Um, That doesn't go away. It's all a crude experience. You know, it's like rings on a tree. And communities you've been
0: a part of, you stay a part of in different ways. I think it's, you know, part of what you're talking about is the fact that in our community in like the east side of Los Angeles, Mm -hmm. there are a lot of queer women. And then there are a lot of queer women who are cis. And then there's Mm -hmm. a lot of trans women and trans men who Mm -hmm. sort of like occupy similar spaces yeah similar spaces and i think that that's and a lot
1: of like gender queer and non-binary folks that right all kind it's of like just kind there. of
0: but it's different than i think uh the stereotypical broad strokes like gay bar mm-hmm. that we would think of and those the people in there that are um you know that i imagined gayness was when i was like first right. coming out mm-hmm. and um The community is, like, very big and diverse. Yeah. Which is really cool, actually. I feel we're we're very lucky to live in a place that that's true because it's something about um, the general safety of the town. You know, like, it's it got so safe. And I don't mean to, like, certainly there are, there's safety issues across the board for the LGBT community but what I mean is it got so safe that people could express themselves more Mm -hmm. like they didn't have to sort of try to all identify as the same thing and then all go to the same bar Mm -hmm. people could live in different neighborhoods and they could go to different types of places and they could kind of mix more Mm -hmm. with um Straight people and cis people and, and yeah then the whole community I is do think the bar is gonna make a comeback though. You think that in these years. The queer, the gay bar is gonna make a comeback.
1: Yeah, and I think the positive of that is it's gonna be what you were just talking about. Is that, you know, it might be like a dike bar, but that dike bar is gonna be all those all the people that we just mentioned, you know, but it's gonna be you know, it's it's a sign on the door that's like all are welcome.
0: Like, we except can't people
1: that anymore. hate us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I just think we need that. Um, you know, the internet was really great for community building and uh, voices being heard that haven't been heard, like literally ever, that have been written out of history. Like, specifically uh, talking about uh, trans voices and um, trans voices of color and stuff. Um, community building there. And I feel like it's now become, and it's always been, but it's getting very harsh and it becomes just about this harsh conversation a lot. There's people invading those spaces that have been. Well, made. and
0: also tension. I, I, I is literally so high. mean like bots and like bad sure. people. That's who I'm talking about. And so I think that. But even good people are losing their minds. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, have fans like quote tweet me to yell at me, and then the next day would be like. I love this. I'm thing. so yeah, excited yeah. to come to. You. I mean, it's, it, I just yeah. think we're all we're all roll amped, right. and <laughs> it make and why we should be all amped. Yes, but what I we mean are. is we're we're amped. We need for a good things. reason
1: because somebody else is doing something right. We need the Twitter outrage and community there, but we have to like actually take it into the streets or into the bar and look at each other's faces, yeah and strategy so that we and don't like lose organize it. and talk to each other and, it and, being momentum and say like and yeah exactly like hey that thing that really bothered me like can we talk about it because i don't understand what you're saying and i think that's why i'm mad or whatever you know and just like actually looking into somebody else's eyes and being like oh i get it now because you're a human being you're not just somebody on the internet that drives me insane you know
0: yeah I do know, actually. I do know. It's
1: it's always been, specifically the the LGBTQ community has always had this issue. We've always been little camps of people that have, you know, like stuck together and then it's been hard to overlap and i think over the years and decades and centuries we've been moving towards that and i think we have a real opportunity to really stick together i mean i'm very impressed and would love to see like video not i shouldn't say impressed that's condescending i'm really excited um about what the sort of like radical queers of color did in chicago to like shut down pride and say like we actually have to turn this from the capitalists uh you know like being excited that like lockheed martin is like we do i I think you know there's arguments i mean lockheed's
0: no good but you know like jose cuervo for sure
1: i mean yeah i'm just kidding (laughs) it it means something for queers to take up space in in the corporate sphere but it's another thing to then kind of a it's another thing to allow the corporate sphere to take over our space. And I think that's what's right. happening and we're not talking about the right things. And well, I, I'm just really glad that they stopped it and I that totally like, people listened and were open. And I'm sure there are people that weren't stoked about it. But
0: to do it is to do it. And that means something. You know, like when you're... I think what you're talking about is that if you are being pandered to Mm -hmm. it is because somebody believes you have power right because you don't pander to communities that don't have power
1: and we should be using that power as opposed to just like floating on it
0: sure and there is also a a a certain amount of being pandered to Mm -hmm. that's very positive yeah that is why it feels good when like cheerios puts out like a whatever it is or when i'm mentioning you know so sesame street did this like because you feel pandered to in a way that's like we care enough Mm -hmm. about you you matter enough to us um like as people but also just as you know Beings that are going to spend money, like totally. any of that's possible. I, yeah, I think positive. we just the but parades the, need to shift
1: from being parades to marches again, right? You know, well, what is it s- needs to be taking up space as opposed to just a party, right? Like for a couple of years, we got to have some parties because we felt like we made it,
0: <laughs> and I think you know it wasn't
1: premature. I think
0: you know, but it has always. But but there is. I would just say the only thing I would push back on that is that party is protest and protest is party. Yeah. I think the corporate sponsorship is in a different lane entirely. But, like, a person sitting down on the ground and holding a sign and then another person standing next to them dancing in a Speedo, to me, those are, like, they go hand in hand. Because the stoppage of whatever is... Tough in our culture, the stoppage that's mm-hmm. happening there—it's like happening from both angles. Like, don't be ashamed of yourself. Be free with your sexuality, yeah but, but I think also you can... don't pollute the. Like, you know, like sure. people have different yeah causes, and I, I think that. But we could be doing those together. things. Like, I just think for—I mean, I like went to
1: the Chicago Pride Parade a lot, and I don't know—it was just a little too much. Like, there's like a lot of allies there that are just really also just getting drunk so i feel like you got to take it back a little bit and be like no you have you have to watch me and this is not your party kind of a thing
0: yeah well i hear you completely i mean nikki haley who's currently uh as we're recording Mm -hmm. this the uh u.s ambassador to the united nations tweeted about being booed yeah walking home from lunch and you know i think like uh Maybe pride isn't everybody's space. Maybe it's actually queer mm-hmm. people's space first, and you have to be invited. And the before wild thing we, is, she's done some super positive good things.
1: Stuff. Yes. You know, it's just that, like, hey man, you're you're associated with this thing, so you're gonna get booed, and then you have to tell us what you're gonna do to not get booed the next time. That's
0: what it is. There it is. <laughs> so Rhea, before I first of all, thank you so much for talking to me. Oh, sure thing. I feel like we didn't cover everything you wanted to cover. Did it's we get a, everything? Well, it's... An, <laughs> I mean, it's an hour-long conversation. Sure. And the goal is to document our stories and talk to people about how they identify it. And we did all of that. Great. Plus a few baseball jokes. And you told us about in Back to the Future too. how that... Yeah, I've been wanting thing. to talk about that for a while. So, um, I feel like we knocked it out of the park, which is a baseball Whoa, phrase. Whoa, great job. And... Fair ball. I would like to end the show um, by asking you, Rhea, mm-hmm. to uh, share with the listeners and with me um, a queero of yours. Mm-hmm. So, just looking for somebody in not mm-hmm. necessarily even your sphere. sphere. It doesn't have to be somebody that you know, um, but somebody who's influenced you in the way that they have loved their life as an LGBT person.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I think, I mean, I have, there's many, but for this conversation I think I'll pick Harry Dodge the artist yeah tell me about Uh, Harry so he made a movie called uh, by Hooker by Crook which I think came out in 2001 if I'm getting my dates correctly with um, Silas Howard and um, it was a movie that I'd like seen in magazines and stuff because the internet wasn't really a thing yet and I mostly knew about it because it had a really great soundtrack and I like couldn't track it down. And then I I finally got it through Netflix and watched it and was just like in awe of what they made because um, it was just like a buddy movie. You know, I'd never seen a queer movie that wasn't some overwrought love story, which is valuable um, or a story where someone uh, either died or was like, killed because th- we also need to tell those stories but um, none of that happens in that movie you it's, showed me this movie yeah. and
0: it, I think what you're also pointing to is that um, there's two people in the universe who take up space in each other's lives and it's yeah. not romantic space and that that's very interesting mm-hmm. for the queer community because yeah. we're, we're not really portrayed in entertainment as doing that for each other yep. I felt so struck when I saw um, how uh, Laura Poupon and Natasha Leone's characters being buddies in like the first season of Orange is the New Black oh, yeah. when they talk it's, to each other yeah, it's like, very cool. they have something in common yeah uh, a shared experience wise. that they didn't actually share yeah yeah and one it's to uh, totally transformative when I saw yeah. that scene where they're like sitting on the they're sitting on the stairs together do you remember what I'm talking about I do and yeah it, I love that yeah and the the movie also explores gender
1: in, in a really fascinating way that's like not necessarily spelled out for you. Like, um, the way the like out group in the movie refers to the, the pronouns that they use with them and then the pronouns they use with each other is just like really fascinating. And I, I was really inspired by that. And then I like kind of tried to keep track of that person, and, um, they're now like a, professor at uh, CalArts and they do a lot of like video art and some really cool stuff and um, they're married to a person named Maggie Nelson who has written some tremendous books and it's just like an inspirational life (laughs) to live you know and, and moving out here They were at a party that I went to, like, very early on moving out here. And it was one of those moments where I was like, oh, I think I'm on the right path. I may hate it here, but there's a reason that I'm here, you know, because it was very difficult to move to Los Angeles. It's a a different city. It's different than anything I've ever encountered. And then sometimes you get to see these, like, little light posts on the way. And I remember that being a big moment where I was like, well, I did something right. Because for this person to just, like be in the same space as me in this like super casual way i had no idea they would be there that's got to be something and then i got to see they did a like an art talk a couple months ago that i mean just speaking for like an hour and it was very cool for somebody that like went to art school and was like well this why did i get this degree and then to get to <laughs> sit there with my shoes off and like listen to them you got talk it so about, you can understand here yeah their concept
0: of like google and stuff as an artist i was like well i know i get it I actually understand all of this <laughs> well Harry Dodge you are a queero mm-hmm. and Ria thank you so much Ria Butcher for being a guest on the show is there anything that you want to plug maybe mm-hmm. your hilarious stand up comedy album Butcher sure yeah you can check that out on same sex that's your album
1: <laughs> you almost <can check. laughs> use your album as the label. Oh God, kill rock stars. They're both three words. I, um, I, my album on yeah. Kill Rockstars is called Same
0: Sex. Amount, yeah, but yours is called
1: Butcher. Yeah, it is. And I mean, it's from like a year ago, and it's kind of amazing when I think about the jokes that I was telling. I I, I feel weird talking about that album because I was in a in a different place and thinking about things from my own perspective and i know like well, people literally reached out to me and was like this joke is offensive and i was like i'm sorry i was talking about an experience that i had but i also understand what you're saying so i feel like i have to give a disclaimer when i talk about that album
0: um yeah you mean we're evolving people and yeah, stuff yeah, is yeah. changing all the time and yeah. uh i hear you. yeah so um check out butcher <laughs> <laughs> slash or you i mean you can watch
1: check out Butcher. you can watch take my Wife. um I'm in that, and I made that with you. And you can also watch Adam Runs Everything. Yeah. Well, thanks, you. Thanks for having me.
0: Let's go find out who we are. Well, listeners, that's our show. Please remember to rate and review us on iTunes. You can follow me on Twitter, at Cameron Esposito. We are recorded by Matt Brousseau, produced by Sierra Cato, and Feral Audio. Our theme song is by Allie Weiss. Thanks for listening to Query. Hi, my name's Matt Gorley. My name is Mark McConville. And we do a podcast called Pistol Shrimps Radio.
1: Every Tuesday night, the Pistol Shrimps play basketball. They're a women's team in the recreational leagues here in Los Angeles, California. And we bring a table, some microphones,
0: and our very selves to call play-by-play basketball action. Mostly we talk about what we want to talk about
1: while basketball's happening, but occasionally there's action that needs to be reported on, and we do that. But we don't know anything about sports, so if you are not a sports person good if you are good this thing's literally for made for every human being on this our planet
0: listen to pistol shrimps radio every
1: wednesday on earwolf get it this has been an earwolf production executive produced by scott ackerman chris bannon and colin anderson for more information and content visit earwolf.com